All right, this morning I have an incredible blessing to introduce somebody who will be brand new. This is his maiden voyage at Livingstone. So how many know when this is your first visit somewhere, you want to welcome them with arms wide open. You want to give the loudest possible cheer you can possibly muster um, because people preach better when you do that, all right? But this brother ministered to us at our national conference at the NRP, a network of related pastors. Um, He has the most sweet spirit, loves Jesus, Uh, They've built, and you'll see that they've built a couple of homes to care for widows and orphans in multiple nations of the world, to care for thousands of widows and orphans. Uh, How many of you know that's biblical right there? Um, And uh, and he just moves in the the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He moves in the prophetic and just has a great heart for souls. And you're going to absolutely love him this morning. So will you please hop to your feet? And let's give Ivan Tate the biggest, warmest living souls welcome we can muster. Amen. Yeah! Woo-hoo! <laughs> Love you. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Praise the Lord. Let's do something crazy. Let's stretch our hands out towards Pastor and his wife. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, a great way of showing love for your pastors is to cover them. And the greatest powerful covering is prayer. A sincere prayer is like putting a shield of iron over them against anything Satan would want to do to them. Because God is moving here. Uh, something very special and unique is happening in the church. It's, I can sense it. It's thick. It's very strong. It's very divine. And so we want to keep them shielded. We also want to keep their children shielded. And all the leadership of the church, anybody responsible for serving, has to be shielded. And so prayer, everyday prayer, is how you give them a gift of love. And uh, never underestimate the power of your prayer over them. Lord, we pray for Pastor Ron and his family. Divine protection, divine health, divine wisdom, divine joy, divine strategy, divine foresight, divine God, unity. And supernatural laborers being raised in this field by the hundreds changed the whole world from Crown Point, Indiana. And all the people said, Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Uh, yes, everybody. I'm Ivan Tate. Uh, I have one wife. I had her 45 years. And then we got uh, six children uh, that all love the Lord and work with us. And then we have 16 grandchildren. And uh, the ones that are old enough to work with us, which is half of them, they're already preaching as well. And uh, i just not boasting. I'm just saying that's such a blessing. It blesses me a lot. I like to say it a lot because it makes me feel good. And uh, so I just want to say to you this morning that never forget something about Christianity, and that is that This is a movement movement. If you don't move, you become food. And so it's really important to know that God lives in forward motion, and so education is the secret key that keeps you prepared for your future. You need divine information this year to handle the trials, tests, temptations, and tribulations of this year. You're going to need that divine information through your own seeking and searching 
and appropriating. If you don't educate yourself, ignorance is the thing that makes you food for a predator. So if you don't educate yourself on how to be married, for example, you know, you're not just born naturally natural at marriage. Do you know the greatest secret key of being married, for example? Don't do crazy at the same time. <laughs> See, hardly anybody knows that secret. Oh, you're doing crazy? Okay, I'm not going to do crazy right now because you're really going after it. You're going deep into the crazy right now. I'm going to have to be stable and solid and reasonable. Are you done now? Because it's my turn to do some crazy. You know what I'm saying? So educating yourself is how you heal yourself. It's how you prepare yourself. Educating yourself in all the things of God that you don't know about. For example, a lot of you that are entering the church from denominations are realizing there's a lot more to God than perhaps you have been served at your table. And you're now realizing, wow, there's food to eat that I didn't know existed. I didn't know the Holy Ghost cooked this way. The meals are delicious and exciting, unpredictable, fun, supernatural, divine, and the presence of God is blowing my mind. Oh my gosh, my daughter just got healed by sitting in the church worshiping God. My son and his wife repented and decided not to get divorced, and God healed them during the service. Oh my God, my husband quit drinking. Just an idea on a Sunday morning. So in order for this to work, you've got to understand that Christianity does not work without the furtherance of your education. This is an appropriation experience. In Jesus, you've got to just continue to learn and grow and learn. Whoever you are today, it's only for today. Tomorrow, you're going to be somebody different. And what makes that happen is revelation, insight, and the change of your perspective and the change of your perceptions. Because the ultimate thing that's going to happen to you is you're a creature of conclusions. If you do not make the right conclusions about life, God, marriage, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and everything, you could actually conclude your way right out of your miracle. So you have to remember to stay open to the Holy Spirit, wide open, and say, God, teach me whatever I need to know, because right now I'm really hurting. There's a cure for every pain we have, but we have to learn that. Praise God. Would you look at your neighbor and put your hand on him and say, I got something to tell you. Say these words to him. You're going to lose 25 pounds right now in this service by a miracle of God. It's going to be a sign and a wonder. But when you leave, you're going to just feel skinny. I mean, it's the greatest service I've ever been to. Oh, my gosh. I lost 25 pounds just sitting there. I need to go back tonight. And then Monday, that's 75 pounds. Praise the Lord. Wow, what a ministry I would have if I could shrink people. <laughs> the line would be to Chicago right now. If I could just shrink everybody. Come on up. What do you need? 75? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Lord hasn't answered that prayer yet. But So 
So this is the secret. If you want to get edified every day, we've done some things to help you. One thing, and most important of all, is that there's a lot of warfare in people's lives right now. People are under a lot of attack, and they don't know what to do to stop it. So I did this series. It's 11 hours of training on spiritual warfare from Genesis to Revelation. It's got a workbook with it, and it'll train you on all the different types of attacks that are going to come against you and how to stop them. Really good for you. And then how many of you have children? Do you love the little bambinos? <laughs> children are easier to have, but it's a whole different story when you have to raise them. Right? It's totally different. It's not like you're prepared. You didn't go to school to raise children before you had them. You just decided the wonderfulness of you was going to be enough. And now you realize, wow, I need a little bit more help here. I need some education. These kids are really a challenge. Whoever bonds with your children mentors them. And so if you're not the person that's the closest to your children, then you're only housing them. You're actually not raising them. Amen. You do not want to lose your children to what's going on out there. So we wrote this book called Letters from God for children, and it's 52 letters written from God to your children about a particular character trait. And so you as a parent, because you're not lazy, because that's the way you curse your children is by being spiritually, 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 and you turn, and you turn, you are, are some kind of video game. And then you forsake your children forever. You don't want to do that because that's the spirit of laziness, and that's how you lose God and the kingdom of God in your children. You have to create heaven at home. And that takes a non-lazy person who's willing to pay the price to save the soul of their children. Yes. Praise the Lord. Look at two people and say, wow, he's talking to you. I can feel it. I'm not relating at all. It's going right over my head. Praise the Lord. So what you do then, you have these 52 letters. You read the letter every day to your child. Let's say it's forgiveness. And so you read that letter to them every day. And then you memorize one verse on forgiveness with your children at whatever age they are. And then Monday, for example, there's a question that you as a parent will find the answer to, which is, what is forgiveness? That would be Monday. Tuesday would be, how do you forgive? And so on, all the way through the week. So at the end of the year, 52 character traits have been practiced by you as a family, especially with your children. They've learned 52 Bible verses, and so have you as a parent. And this goes on for 15 years, or as long as your children stay in your house. And as you know, that could vary. Some of them stay till they're 18, and some till they're 80. So, I mean, you know, it, it gets to be a little bit, uh, you know, unique. So we have that. Then we have Letters from God, which is for adults. It's sold uh, over 100,000 copies already on God. It's a devotional and how to get God to write you a letter every day and speak to you and then how to raise prophetic children. Praise the Lord. So let's go to Luke chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. What a lot of people don't realize in Christianity is there's a lot of things about Christianity that don't work unless certain things are activated. For example, Christianity doesn't work if you don't love Jesus. Uh, Christianity doesn't work if you don't know how to unlock your Bible. Your Bible just stays locked. You get nothing out of it. You fall asleep when you read it. No fire is shooting out of the pages because your Bible is locked. 
There are reasons for all that. And so another thing is that Christianity, the secret of Christianity, is to get God to touch you. Say this out loud, everybody. God is a touching God. Praise the Lord. Now, go ahead and hug your wife. Give her a big hug. Say, I love you, baby. You rock my world. Matter of fact, I'm going to help you husbands today. Put your arm around your wife. Go ahead. Look at her in the eyes. Look at each other. Husbands, sing this song with me to them. Come on. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Sing it to her and not me. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Sing it again. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear. Move in. How much I love you. Move in. Please don't take my sunshine away. Right on the face. Big kiss right there. Boom. I love you. Now, ladies, I want you to put your hand on your husband's chest. Just put it on there. We're going to sing him a song. Tell him I really mean this. Are you ready? Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. Whoa, 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 whoa. Give me some money, honey, honey. Give me some dough. The last verse. Send me to Hawaii, honey. Hallelujah. Send me to Hawaii, honey. Hallelujah. Send me to Hawaii, honey. You don't have to go, whoa, whoa. Send me to Hawaii, honey. Hold it out, ladies. Honey, hold it out, ladies. Honey, I know where you hide the money. I saw you put it over there under the boat the other day. Hallelujah. So there you go. We're on the way. Luke 7.37 is the story of a woman who is a prostitute who needs a touch from God. She has been selling her body probably since she was a child. And she has severe issues in her life. And she's heard about this Jesus. And through the grapevine, she has heard that Jesus is not like the other preachers that Jesus actually likes prostitutes and lepers, that he will approach them and hug them and touch them, that he approaches poor people and blind people and sick people and lame people. And so she gets this reputation that if she approaches Jesus, he's not going to reject her. So he, she just walks through all the religious people and all the religious preachers and reaches Jesus and falls at his feet crying and she's broken and she's weeping and she's crying and Jesus gives her a miracle and he touches her and changes her life forever. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this whole thing is about getting touched by God. 
If you do not get touched by God, some of you are never going to change. Your marriage is never going to get better no matter how much counseling you get. Some of you are genetically twisted to the point where you need a miracle from God. You're not going to stop drinking just because a preacher tells you to do it. You're not going to stop watching pornography just because some preacher tells you not to do it. You're not going to stop losing your temper, cussing, and throwing the finger at people. Unless Jesus touches you, some of you have no hope of ever becoming what God wants you to be. Therefore, you must fall on your face. You must cry out to God. You must pour out your insides to Jesus. You must let them flow like a river. You must tell God, I cannot do it. I cannot be it. I cannot change. I cannot do it, God. I need a touch from you. I need a miracle from you, Jesus. I can't be a Christian without your help. I can't live the way you want me to live unless you touch me, Jesus. I can't love this man unless you help me love him. He drives me crazy. Even the way he chooses insanity. I mean, some of you guys have not changed that toilet paper for 30 years, no matter what she says. It's going to take a touch from God. Christianity is about being touched. When I was 17, I was chasing a cheerleader down the road. And when I caught her, she turned around and she said, you know, you have mental problems. I do, I do. I have mental problems. I have emotional problems. I have psychological problems. I have any problem you can think of, I've got it. She said, here's a book. If you read it, I'll talk to you. So I took the book, big old thick book, torn, no cover on it, written on it. And I sat down underneath the tree and I opened it to a, a, a book called 1 Corinthians 13. You know it as the love chapter. I had never read the Bible because my mother at an early age told me, do not ever read the Bible. She said that to us every week. Do not read the Bible. If you see a Bible, avoid it. Don't touch it. Go around it. Only a priest can tell you what's in the Bible. And if you try to read it, you're going to grow long hair. You're going to walk around barefooted with blue jeans and holes. And you're going to get a guitar and play and sing and talk to the little green people. So I was terrified of the Bible. Any Bible I ever saw, I walked way around it, like you would a, a dog with rabies. I mean, I would just walk around in terror. And she kept one with a lock on it, little tiny one, and she would hold it in, in, in uh, mass and just hold it there. And I would be so mad at her for having that book near me. Had I known it was the Bible that that girl was giving me, I would never have read it or touched it. But by verse 5, the heavy presence of God came upon me so strong that I cried for three straight hours for two straight weeks. Over and over, in the middle of the night, I would just wake up weeping. I would wake up weeping because, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, God was touching me. I have been a preacher from that day to this day, almost 50 years now, that I have been preaching. I'm not saying that as a boasting issue, but I'm telling you that if God does not touch some of you, you're not going to stay married. If God doesn't touch some of your children, they're not going to serve God. 
If God doesn't reach his hand out to your mother and father who do not know God, they may not go to heaven. We need a touch from God. We need Jesus to touch our lives. We need God to chase down our children and our grandchildren. We need God to enter the places of atheism and agnosticism and all the isms and all the religions and all the perversion. We need God to stand up and walk into the houses and deliver the members of our family that do not know God and are not saved and do not love Jesus. We need help from God. If he does not touch you, you will never stop drinking and taking drugs just because some preacher tells you. You're not going to stop chasing women. If you're a single man, unless God touches you and makes sacredness a piece of your soul. Praise the Lord. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we need help from God. In Mark 5, there was a crazy man that lived in a graveyard and cut himself and ran around naked. And the man had 2,000 demons living in his body. But he had enough willpower that when he saw Jesus, he ran up to him and fell at his feet. He had enough willpower to do that with 2,000 demons, identities of supernatural powers living in his body. And he still had enough willpower to run and fall at the feet of Jesus. And you that are here who have no demons probably in your life, probably, 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 that have no, probably, that probably, that have probably, that have no demons in your life, surely you could activate your will and say, I need a touch from God. I need God to touch my life because I hate my mother-in-law. I hate my sister. I hate my husband. I hate my wife. I hate, I'm, I'm having three affairs at the same time. I hate this. If you are at that desperation place, remember that desperation is the breeding ground of miracles. It is that aching and that longing and that urging and that shaking and that searching and that groping for God that breaks the power of religion over you. Because ladies and gentlemen, some of us don't realize we're not even saved yet. We're just intellectually enlightened. We believe the Bible and what it says, but we have never been converted. Old things have not passed away and nothing has become new. We have not become a new species or a new DNA because we have not yet been converted because salvation is not intellectual. Salvation is the change of the heart and the change of the nature to go in another direction. Some of us are just intellectually saved and experientially lost. There was a woman in John chapter 4 who was a searcher and a seeker. Jesus saw her at the well and told her what was going on and said, hey, you've had five husbands. And the one you have now, you didn't even bother to marry. And she said, you, you're a prophet. But he really spoke to her deep need. Think about all the things we marry in our lifetime. Not wives or husbands, but things. Think about all the things you marry to fill the black hole that's in your soul. 
Think how you fill it up with pornography. Think how you fill it up with alcohol or drugs. Think how you fill it up with soap operas or TV. Think how you fill it up with hunting or fishing or golfing. Think how you fill it up and try to make the black hole go away because you don't have a relationship with God. Do not get offended. That's good enough to satisfy you and make you whole and complete. Is that really the God we have, ladies and gentlemen? Do we really have a God that is not big enough to heal our body, to restore our marriages, to save our children, and to give us the answers that we need? Is that really what this is all about, ladies and gentlemen? It's constant hope with torment and failure? Or is there really a living God that can perform a miracle for you? Sorry that I'm raising my voice. I sound a little crazy. I get excited sometimes. But you understand what I'm saying. I don't serve the God of religion. I serve the God of miracles. Turn to somebody and say, it's your miracle time. Tell them, it's your miracle time. Why would religion cut the hands off of God and say that he can't heal anybody? Why would religion cut the heart off of God and say he doesn't do anything? Why would that happen? Because religion is the antichrist. It is the source of of all expulsion of God. We need relationships. We need intimacy. We need nearness. We need closeness. We need communion. We need fellowship. We need love. We need unconditional love. We need unbiased love. We need supernatural patience. We need supernatural kindness. We need supernatural forgiveness. We need supernatural goodness. We need supernatural appreciation and celebration and respect and dignity. We need to become something more than just human beings. We need to become people who carry God inside of them, of the sanctuary of our heart, that we carry God and give God to people and share God with people instead of religion that every normal person will hate. There was a man in Mark chapter 2 that could not walk and he had four good friends. Your good friends take you to Jesus and your bad friends take you to Satan. They picked him up and took him to Jesus because he could not walk. And they tore the roof off to get him to Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, tear the roof off and throw me on Jesus. Come on, say it to your neighbor. Tear the roof off and throw me on Jesus. Come on, everybody. Tear the roof off. Throw me on Jesus. Tear the roof off. Throw me on Jesus. Tear the roof off. Throw me on Jesus. Throw me on the Lord. Come on. Tear the roof off. Throw me on Jesus. Tear the roof off. Throw me on Jesus. Tear the roof off. Throw me on Jesus. Throw me on the Lord. So we are, we are standing in a position where we need to be touched by God. How long have you been bothered, troubled, addicted, enslaved, tortured, tormented in that area of your life? And when will it end? Because if you do not get a God solution, you're going to have to aim for a man solution. And if you aim for a man solution, that's called drugs. That's called behavior modification. That's not called transformation. The way you know that God has touched you is you used to be a worm living in the dirt. 
You liked the dirt, you felt at home with dirt. You ate dirt, slept in dirt, carried dirt, and dirt was on you all the time. You were a little worm just dirtying around. But one day you saw a cocoon, you went in the cocoon, the cocoon wrapped itself inside, and all of a sudden, in secret, in the cocooning life of intimacy with God, your wings started to grow. Nobody could see them, you couldn't even see them, but when the cocoon got broken, your wings popped out, and the wind picked you up and you took off flying, and even though you could still see that there's a worm in there, nobody pays attention to your worminess when they have wings with beautiful colors on them that tell them this person person has been touched by God. Look at the blue of heaven upon them. Look at the red of redemption upon them. Look at all the white upon them of cleansing and purification. And this is what makes you fly is when God touches you. Otherwise, you will just be a legalistic Pharisee judging everybody in your mind, living two lives, one in front of people at church and one out in secret. I'm not into it. Praise the Lord. Give someone a high five next to you and say, God is talking to you. In, in the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 32 through 36, there's a man named Jacob, and his name means liar and deceiver. One day he gets fed up with who he is. And he starts fighting with an angel, and the angel says, I've got to leave. And he says, no. You can't leave till you change me. I can't be Jacob anymore. I've lied too many times, deceived too many times, and I don't see that there's any benefit to it. Being this way is bad for everybody, and I can't be this person because I can't bless my wife, my husband, my children. I can't bless anybody because I'm a Jacob. I need you to touch me, God, and I'm not going to let you go until you do. And that's what happened. He refused to let go of God till he changed him. And if you're going to get your touch from God, you've got to have that attitude. See, I'm not turning loose of God. I'm just going to go hold tight to God, and I'm not going to turn him loose until he changes me. Praise the Lord. Sunday night and Monday are set up for encounters with God where God moves with his miracle working power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the beautiful things because tonight we... Walk into the healed life, and everybody's going to get healed inside and out. That's the next step. Once God touches you, you become whole. How do you know God has touched you? Because you're totally different. You're not even the same person anymore. That's how you know you've been touched by God. One day you're meaner than a junkyard dog, and the next day you're sweeter than the sweetest thing there is. And people say, what happened to you? Why are you crying all the time over everything? I don't know. I just got, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I just, I just feel their pain. Did you do what? I feel their pain. You do what? You feel somebody's pain? Well, this is called compassion. And compassion is the ultimate sign that a person has been touched by God. Because the greatest thing you could ever become is a compassionate person that feels other people's pain, not a hard-hearted son of a motherless goat. You didn't know where I was going on that. I've been well trained by my wife what to say and not to say in front of people. Compassion. You don't have to be afraid of someone who feels your pain, 
but you should be terrified of those who don't care what they do to you. Praise the Lord. And unless God touches you, we're going to be cold-blooded, hard-hearted sons of a motherless goat. Praise the Lord. Look at two people. Just look at them and say, I need you to pay me the money you owe me. I don't know why I'm here. I ain't getting nothing out of this preaching. I need some money right now. Praise the Lord. Give them a high five and say, I'll pay you when the service is over. You see, some people have been so hardened by religion that they can sit in church and never be moved or touched, even if God is walking through the aisles. Because they have made a conclusion based on a perspective, based on a perception of a God that they think is not worth loving. This is what religion does. Is the eva Religion evangelizes for Satan. We are now ready for an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise the Lord. Everybody close your eyes for a moment and play my music. And I just want you to close your eyes for the purpose of privacy, not religion, just privacy. Shut everything down around you and stay there for a minute. And let the Holy Spirit start talking to you right now. What part of your life needs a touch from God? Who in your family is not saved? When was the last time you got on your knees and prayed for them for an hour or two? When was the last time you knelt at your children's bed and laid hands on them and prayed for them and asked God, to make their dreams come true. When was the last time that you knelt down by your wife and prayed for her for an hour or two just so she knows that she's covered? You see, this is the Christian life, a life that's been touched by God. Certain symptoms and marks and manifestations and certain fruit comes from this and it makes life beautiful here we are today in church God is knocking on our hearts and he is calling out our name come to me and I will quench your thirst come to me and I will satisfy the longing of your soul Come to me, and I will take the nightmares out of your sleep. I will heal you of the diabetes. I will heal your marriage and put love in your hearts. And I will call your children back home. I'll deliver you from that drug. I'll take that boredom that is pride covered in deceit. I've asked a question all over the world, and I will ask you this question today. Can you say that you are 100% sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven? If you're honest with yourself, 
If you can tell yourself the truth, can you honestly say, I have absolutely no doubts that if I died right now, I would go to heaven? This is the question of the ages. Do you want God to put inside your heart that peace and assurance that only he can give you? Do you want God to put that peace in your heart so that every morning when you wake up and as you live your day, you know that you know that you know that whenever you die, you're going to go to heaven because God has touched you and deposited eternity on the inside of you. If you're sitting there and you say, Ivan, I want that. I want that peace. I want that assurance. I know I can't get it from people. I know I can't buy it anywhere. I want that. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do a very simple thing right there where you're sitting. Something very easy. If you want this, all I want you to do right now where you're sitting is to simply raise your hand right now, high enough for me to see, and then I'm going to pray for you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Look at all the hands going up, God. Stretch them out where God can see it. Let him know you're not ashamed. Let him know you're not ashamed. He said, if you're not ashamed of me in front of people, I won't be ashamed of you in front of my Father. Every person that is lifting your hand, all I want you to do is to stand right there where you're at and let me pray for you right now. Let God see you stand up. Let people see you stand up. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. There are two things that are going to happen in just a moment. The first one is God is going to forgive you. But that will not be enough for some of you. That will not be enough. Because when you leave this place forgiven, you will still know that God knows everything you've ever done that you're ashamed of and feel guilty for. So God does a second thing. He forgives you, and then he erases what you did from his memory forever. He does not remember that thing that makes you feel ashamed. He does not remember that thing that makes you feel guilty. And he does not remember that thing you don't want everybody, anybody to ever know. It is forever forgotten. And this is the gift of God so that you can look at him without guilt and shame on your face. Would you look at me for one minute? May I have your permission to pray for you? May I have your permission to lead you in a prayer for just a moment? I will not embarrass you or make you say anything to anybody. I would like you, so I can look in your eyes for one minute, to just leave your seat for a second and walk up here for a minute and let me lead you in this prayer. Just walk right out and please give them a hand as they're coming up here as if your own mother was coming up here. Walk right up here. Just fill up the whole front. Just fill it up. Just fill it up. And I want you to clap like it's somebody you care about up here. Just walk up a little bit. Come on. They deserve a celebration for a good choice. 
You have two kinds of people here, those that are saved with doubts and those that have never crossed the bridge. Whatever it may be, peace is coming. Are you already out there? I want you to pick someone to pray for by stretching your hands toward them. And then I want the rest of you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I repent for all my sins and I ask you to cleanse me of those sins with your holy blood. I renounce Satan and I renounce his plan for my life. I throw my doubts away. I invite you, Jesus, come into my heart and stay there forever. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Dear God in heaven, I forgive all those that have damaged me. I forgive all those that have damaged me. I forgive all those that have damaged me. And God, I forgive myself. I give myself a second chance to start my life over again with no mistakes. Dear God in heaven, I receive your love, your forgiveness, and thank you for adopting me into your family. I have no enemies now. I pray for my enemies and bless them and refuse to curse them ever again. And today, God, I ask you to fill me with a desire to fulfill your plan and your destiny for my life. I'm going to heaven. The devil is a liar. The devil is defeated. And God is on his throne. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to turn around for a moment. Just turn around that way. Don't sit down. Just turn around. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, can I present to you the men and women who have been acquitted? Their rap sheet has been torn up. They've been washed and cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And they are on their way to heaven. And the devil is defeated. Praise the Lord. Now turn around this way one more time. And that's how you celebrate someone. So here's what I'm doing now. I break all curses of your family off you. I break every curse you have inherited from your family. Physical curses of sickness. Emotional curses of insanity. And all curses of spiritual deception and abandonment. I now break the curse of unhappiness off you. I break that off your children and your grandchildren. That you will be filled with the love of God, the peace of God, and the joy of God. And that from now on, curses will not chase you every day. Calamity will not fill your life. Failure will not define you. But you will be filled with the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God, and the angels of God will protect you and your family. And Jesus will be in your home, in your heart, and in your life from this day forward because you are blessed 
and not cursed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, I received that. Praise the Lord. All right, turn and go ahead and walk back to your chairs, everybody. Let's give the Lord a hand today. Come on, give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God. Pastor, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'll be at the back table, everybody. I'll sign your books and give you a prophetic word in there. Also, if you want to know what we do, go to whatmattersmm.org. Or better than that, go on your, on your iPhone to your app store and go Ivan Tate, T-A-I-T. Download the free app. We have hundreds of things for free. God bless. Amen. Bless you, Ivan. Yeah. yeah praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. All right, so here's the here's the plan. If you're brand new, we'd love to connect with you before you leave. Come on up here, introduce yourself. We want to welcome you. Secondly, the party continues tonight at six o'clock. And how many of you have a expectation that God could do something special, not only in our lives, but in some friends that we might bring out tonight that really need a touch from the Lord. So I encourage you, take the time to make some phone calls this afternoon. Marriage class is still on at 4 o'clock, so come on out and get some encouragement for your marriage. Don't forget to stop by and see uh, Ivan at the table out there if you can resource you, all right? Love you guys. Have an amazing day. We'll see you tonight, hopefully. Woo!